awesome, and amen to that. Hey, friends, uh, for this last message for 2020, invite you, if you have a Bible, either online or in front of you at home, to open up to John chapter 7. Uh, we are going to read about what Jesus did and said in John 7, 37 through 44. It's kind of ironic that Jesus was present at the very first Christmas, and for the rest of his life, he never celebrated Christmas again. In, the, uh, in his times, however, he did observe the Passover as a religious festival and the festival of Sukkot. Over the last month, um, we have remembered what the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, was all about. Really, there are three main elements, living for eight days in temporary shelters, um, lighting up the temple in the center of Jerusalem, and the thing that we haven't mentioned yet, um, the water, the fresh living water that was central to the celebration of Sukkot. If you're camping in eight days in a temporary shelter, uh, you're going to be in a world of hurt without clean and fresh water. For the first seven days of Sukkot, a Jewish priest would head down to what was known as the Pool of Siloam and draw a golden pitcher full of fresh water. This one's just clay, not actual gold. He would carry it up to the temple, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and then pour it out over the altar. While he did this, um, on the journey between the Pool of Siloam and the Temple Altar, folks would chant and sing the Hallel Psalms, Psalms 113 through 118 in our Bibles. And then as the priest actually poured out the water on the altar, the priest likely would chant these words from Isaiah 12, verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I have no idea what the tune was, but he probably sang or chanted these particular words. However, on the eighth and final day of Sukkot, there was no water ceremony, just a final celebration. And that is the moment on the eighth and final day of Sukkot when Jesus himself in Jerusalem chose to make this startling announcement, reading from John chapter 7 here. On the last and greatest day of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let them drink, whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By using this particular phrase, living water, Jesus would have uh, summoned the imagination and scriptural memory of his Jewish audience back to Jeremiah 2. where God says, my people have committed two sins. Number one, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. God identifies as the spring of living water. And then number two, they have dug their own, dug their own cisterns where static still water is. Broken cisterns that can't even hold water. Water in this case in these Jewish ceremonies and in God's economy of things, water represents what nourishes the human heart and what brings us to life. How often have we, have God's people, lo, these many thousands of years, gone after water that is not living or life-giving, but we've gone after water to meet our thirst and needs that ultimately leaves us unsatisfied 
and still thirsty. Jesus stood up and offered himself as the only water that can truly and eternally satisfy the deepest longings of the human heart and the human spirit. In saying this, Jesus put himself right at the center of Sukkot as the exclamation point, right at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. And in contrast to that symbolic water that was just falling over the edge of the altar for a moment, Jesus says, I am the source of endless, eternal, living water, and I can make a spring of living water well up within you. I'm always fascinated by the way people reacted to Jesus in real time. The people on the eighth day of Sukkot 2,000 years ago totally understood that Jesus was announcing that he identified as God, that Jesus identified as God's Savior and promised Messiah. John 7, 40 to 44 puts it this way. On hearing Jesus' words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. That's pretty high praise. That's prophet with a capital P. Others said, he is the Messiah. It's even higher praise. But then still others asked, but how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Clearly they knew the book of Malachi but had never been to a Christmas Eve service. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus and some people even wanted to seize him. When Jesus speaks, what's in the human heart gets revealed. Just a few sentences out of Jesus' life. I'm living water. I can make it well up in you. And some people want to declare that Jesus is the Messiah from God and put their trust in him. And other people want to seize him and put their hands around his throat and do away with him. It's not so different today if you have a real and genuine encounter with Jesus. Just a few words from Jesus and our heart of hearts are revealed. Now, 2020 has been truly a revelatory year. This year, it was revealed how frail we really are as human beings, right, in terms of our biology. It has also been revealed how persistent and creative and forceful of will we can be when faced with very difficult circumstances. On a deeper level and a broader sociological level, this year revealed the frailty of some of our strongest cultural institutions. It revealed some of the cracks and fissures in our human nature and also revealed that we can find gratitude and goodness even in the smallest and simplest things around us. Lord willing, there are better things ahead. You know, viruses do not keep time the way human beings do, right? It's an arbitrary human construct, the marker of uh, December 31 to January 1st. But Lord willing, in 2021, we will experience many of us, uh, maybe most of us as North Americans, a vaccine. My wife, Sarah, um, a little jealous, got her vaccine about 10 days ago already as a healthcare worker. But our needs and our desires, the things that we are truly thirsty for, my guess is that most of us are more in touch with those things at the end of 2020 than we were at the end of 2019. And we recognize that indeed, we are not self-sufficient. 
we cannot make it on our own, but that we have issues and that we are a human species that is in need of help and rescue and saving. We need some serious living water from Jesus to well up from within us to bring us life. When we come to Jesus with our thirst, with our needs, with an honest assessment of our weakness and where we're really at, it opens our inner soul and spirit up for Jesus to do what only he can do. Here's how the Bible explained um, what Jesus was up to. This is how Jesus explains what living water is. By this, by living water, Jesus meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Living water welling up within the human spirit equals the presence, power, and the creative, life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit that fills us up when we put our feet on the pathway of Jesus. When Jesus says that these springs of living water will well up from within us, the Bible's word, the Greek word, is actually um, koilia, which means sort of the center of our soul or uh, our guts. It is also literally the word for womb. It's the part of us where God conceives something new and energetic and creative right at the center of us. Now, this is a mysterious statement that God is going to take up residence in our center, in our womb, whether you're a man or a woman or a child, <laughs> and bring to bear something new that the world has never seen? Yes, that is what Jesus is promising. And just like there's no identical kids that are born, there are no identical results when we are filled up with the Spirit, when we are filled up with living water. What's going to spring forth out of you is hard to predict, but yes, it is the same Spirit that fills all of us, the same Spirit by which Jesus himself was conceived within the womb of Mary of Nazareth. So speaking of these spiritual mysteries, I'm going to ask you to indulge me for just a moment with this question. When was Jesus really born? Was it December 25? And does it actually matter? I've read any number of uh, articles and heard folks talking about how the Christian tradition of having a December 25th kind of major holiday was because of the winter solstice, or so many previous Roman or pagan holidays that focus on the same time of year, right? There's something in our biology that recognizes the days are at their shortest, and it's hopeful um, and uplifting to light lights and get together and bring greenery in our homes. All of that is true. We have no idea when Jesus was actually born. Early Christians believed it was not December uh, or it came to this reason for celebrating for December 25, however. The greatest holiday in the Jewish world is not Sukkot, but the Passover, when God performed the miracle of saving his people from slavery out of Egypt. We also know that it was during the Passover celebration that Jesus was crucified, died, and buried, and resurrected from the dead. And in the early Christian mind, they thought, well, if that's when the, um, the Passover was, if that's when Jesus' death and resurrection was, surely the other 
um, great victory that God wrought on earth also would have happened at the same time of year. And what is that victory? For early Christians, the thought was it was the moment where God's divinity was wrapped around human DNA when Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary of Nazareth. That is the other great moment of victory. Not the moment that Jesus was born into the world, but literally the moment where humanity and divinity met and kissed and were eternally wrapped around another. So if Jesus was theoretically conceived at Passover time, either late March or early April, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, then nine months later, maybe at the end of December, early Christians thought, that is when he would have been born. If God the divine could enter the womb of Mary and then enter our world through Jesus, could God through the Holy Spirit, could he not enter each of our wombs, each of our inner beings, and bring something power, powerful and beautiful into the world as a result. That is what I'm hoping for more of in 2021, for God to bring something powerful and beautiful out of this church, out of me, out of you, as the result of us being filled in our inner being with his Holy Spirit. The when of Jesus' birthday doesn't matter so much. The fact that it happened, that God and human DNA became one, that is what matters. And because God is God, he can perform this miracle all over again and fill us and perform a parallel miracle to bring something new even out of our lives. One other uh, kind of fun fact, the Pool of Siloam that I mentioned at uh, the beginning of this message where the priests drew the water at the end of Sukkot, that actual pool was lost to history for more than 1,800 years. In 2004, some Israeli engineers excavated this pool while trying to lay some new sewer lines. It's a great way to find a biblical site by laying some sewer lines. Um, it's like that with us. Our lives, our choices, even our sin can bury the living water or maybe what the Spirit is up to in our life for a long season, maybe for years at a stretch. But that living water is still there, no matter what, by the promise of salvation, by the promise of the Spirit within us. Lord willing, in 2021, even if 2020 has added some layers of dirt and sludge on top, that God in his goodness will be excavating these pools of living water and bringing amazing things to bear. Friends, I believe Jesus is going to be up to doing some amazing things within us, both individually and communally as a church. That is where our hope ultimately lies. Not just in better science, not in a vaccine, but in God doing what only he can do. I want to leave you uh, in this last sermon of the year with two questions to linger with. Um, if you have a pen and could scribble this down, be lovely uh, maybe to speak with those that you live with if you have housemates on these two questions. The first one is this. Just looking back on the last 12 months, where despite the circumstances of 2020, did you sense living water welling up for you? 
And the second question is a forward-looking one. Where can you imagine something new and life-giving bubbling up in the year to come, whether it's personally or at your school or in our church or in your neighborhood? This isn't about us forcing things to happen. It's about us desiring deeper things to happen and opening ourselves uh, to the spirit that Jesus promises. This is only going to happen through the activity of God, through the blessing of God. Um, We're going to close this service um, with a song that's gone to every corner of the world simply called The Blessing. Um, That is from um, God's Old Testament people. When Aaron blessed the people, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. And simply would invite you to open your heart, to open your soul, open your mind, open your hands to receive these good words from God once again. Um, this is probably my favorite version of this song recorded by a bunch of brothers and sisters around the United Kingdom. <laughs>